Welcome to the latest episode of the Brushwaters Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brushwaters Union, Simon Berman. This month, I'm joined by the one and only Victoria Lamb, who you probably know as the owner and a founder of Victoria Miniatures. If you've ever been looking for bits for your sci-fi fantasy miniatures to match existing ranges for alternate female figures or other stuff, you probably had a good look at Victoria Miniatures. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Victoria, thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's it's a real pleasure. You know, um, you're you've been a mainstay of, of the the sci-fi and fantasy wargaming world for years now, filling some pretty cool niches, and uh, I'm excited to talk about all that stuff. Yes, thank you. Yes, I've been in the hobby for quite a while. Yeah, how long? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, um, I first, I guess, jumped in if we're talking um, GW, which was really my big gateway drug to miniatures, like it is for a lot of people. How many uh, of us? Would have been <laughs> it would have been um, mid to late 80s. I think it was around 86-ish that I discovered uh, Space Marines. <laughs> so, wow. It was back in like yeah. a Rogue Trader era, kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was actually. Yes. Cool. How did, how did you find that world as, as a uh, Well, I've always... Yeah, well, well, I was never much of a gamer. Um, I guess I was always... You know, I was a teenager at the time, and I was always had been into making stuff, drawing stuff, all that kind of thing. Liked plastic models, um, and I was aware I'd seen Prince August miniatures, like for D and D, at a local hobby store. But that's the only miniatures I had seen. Um, I, I, I should just say I'm in Adelaide, in Australia, which uh-huh. um, is a lovely place to live, but it's not a huge city, so. When I was, uh, yeah, back in the 80s, I mean, there wasn't the internet and miniatures were just something that I was not really that aware of at all. And yeah, so it was around, I think it was 86. um, I can pin it down to the White Dwarf issue. It was actually, um, the first White Dwarf I ever bought was 113. Wow. And I just saw it on the shelf and I went, oh, that looks cool. And I- What was the the cover? um, it was when they were launching the very first edition of Space Hulk. So it was oh, the wow. old Space Hulk uh, artwork on there. And uh, yeah, that was kind of, um, well, <laughs> I was hooked after that, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I picked up the, the hobby shop that was selling the magazine. They had a secondhand box of plastic Space Marines, the original box. And uh, I bought it. I didn't know what they were. I thought, robots at first yeah (laughs) (laughs) i eventually worked out they were guys and uh, i took them home put them together you know painted them up had had loads of fun and yeah i mean the white dwarf was was huge i mean because back you know pre-internet so you know any anything was just so inspiring you know you'd pour over the same magazine for weeks if not months oh yeah the catalogs too Oh, absolutely. Yes, I, that was my favourite part of the magazine. And I have to say, especially, speaking of the catalogues, back then all the miniatures were metal. Well, mostly. There are a few plastics, but they're pretty basic. But the, the, the catalogue pictures at the back of the magazine, you know, I love seeing, oh, here's the coloured kit. This is how it looks. This is all great. It's all painted. It's all nice. But the best bit for me was at the back where you could see all the parts that were in the model. 
Yeah. And then I would look at all those parts for hours going, oh, what can I make out of these parts? That was that was the fun bit. It's kind of, kind of that you got the kit bashing itch early. Very much. Yeah, yeah. It was, I guess, I grew up on Lego sets and making stuff, and I just, I really loved, uh, yeah, from very early on, it was about what can I do with this that's different, or how can I personalize this, or how can I give it more character, or just, you know, whatever. And I found just looking at all the parts and thinking about what I could do with them was just, just so much fun and really inspiring. Uh, and also back then, uh, you couldn't really buy stuff, miniatures, um, locally hardly at all. So almost all of the stuff I bought, I got through the old UK mail order service. Yeah. Which took a long time. Because <laughs> <laughs> you would, you know, you'd, you'd fill out your form and post, put that in the mail to order your miniatures. So, um, but but at that time, you didn't if you're going through mail order you could just order whatever bits you wanted you didn't have to order right a complete kit which was really fun yeah it's cool so you could kind of go through and like be you know i want i want this robot arm and i want this space marine head or whatever right yeah totally totally you could do that or you could say you know i want i mean like i remember one of the earliest warhammer fantasy units i did it was back when slan were a thing that's wow the frog people for those who are very young. Um, it's, but I, I remember uh, I wanted to con I wanted to use the same miniature for the whole unit, but I wanted to repose it for all the different troops. Um, so I could order 20 of the same figure, you know, whereas mostly it was, you got the mixtures in blister packs. So yeah. it was really fun being, having access to kind of whatever bits you wanted. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of cool because, you know, that, that, that whole uh, approach to the hobby kind of vanished for a long time in a lot of ways. Um, but then I feel like it's coming back to a certain extent with 3D printing now where, you know, there are services where you can buy like a specific arm or whatever, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, gosh, it's, the world has changed exponentially. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think so. Yeah, I think, it, you know, I was quite disappointed when those catalog pages disappeared and we no longer saw the unpainted figures and so on. And look, I guess they were just, doing you know doing what their audience wanted and what sold but for me personally it was always kind of the nuts and bolts uh what that was the fun the fun part but yeah i do think a lot of that's coming back and even these days with you know the plastic kits that gw do and other companies do they they tend to put some modularity in there yeah uh, maybe a little less than they used to but there's some in there and you always get bonus little bits that you can kind of just have fun with and personalize sure. your units and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's still a, a thing to some extent. Yeah, and I, saying all these things, I, I really see where that comes through with Victoria Miniatures, where you know you, you have that ability to buy waists and legs and specific pieces, don't you? Yes. Yes, the idea, I guess what I was trying to create when I first started making bits was I wanted, I made the bits that I wished I could buy. So that yeah. was really how it began. Um, actually, it was an old Golden Demon entry. Honestly, can't remember which year it was. It might have been 2002 or three. I did a little five-man squad of uh, Drukian Fenguard, which was a, like a Scottish guardsman. And I made little kilt legs for them and that. And I sort of just did, I think I made a couple of sets and did really bad green stuff 
press molds of them so I could duplicate uh -huh. them. Uh, and you know, real, and, but these were really, like people really loved these because they were in the fluff, the Drukian Fengard, but I don't think that I hadn't, I certainly hadn't seen any models or any conversions of them. So I had people contacting me and saying, can we buy those kilt legs that you made for those guys? Can we buy yeah. the heads that you did? And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> I have no idea how I would cast those and sell them to you or anything. But eventually I, I found a, a metal caster in Australia and we just started you know, making some bits like that that people asked them for. I mean, it was not even a, a sell thing. It was just for mates and stuff who wanted yeah, I wanted to use those pieces. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Um, you know, one of the things I really appreciate is you know when you look at the stuff you're doing with Victoria Miniatures, the, the figures you make and the pieces you make, it doesn't mm. feel like you know you're you're encroaching on you know anybody else's territory. It, it, it's more you're you're filling gaps that are going to let people build out the parts of those other worlds that you know um, yes. aren't being supported specifically. I think that's, it's, it's, it, I feel like it's done with respect, and that really shines through for me. Yeah, and I appreciate that because it's something that I'm very, very careful about, of course, and I do try to be respectful to other companies and, and other modelers. Uh, you just want to, I guess I just want people to have more options, more creativity, uh, and as I said, make, give, give them the pieces that I wished I could get. Yeah. So, you know, you, you talked about those those early white dwarfs and, you know, being into the kit bashing. What, what were some of the first things you built? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, it was certainly the, the RBT-01 box of Space Marines. Right, you mentioned that one. Yeah, and uh, I picked up the first Space Hulk box. Um, and that was, that was really cool. Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and I got really into the metal Terminators. There was a beautiful box. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Goodwin sculpts, and uh, very expensive in Australia. <laughs> so yes. I did pick that up and um, got really into the Terminators and the Gene Stealers. Probably were the, my first thing I was kind of yeah. curious about. Yeah, they, they, were, they were lots of fun. So you had mentioned the, uh, was it the, 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 the Drukii? Was that what uh, it was? The Drukian Fengar. Drukian, sorry. Yeah, Drukian yeah. is the Dark Eldar, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Drukian, was, was that one of your first, like, attempts to, you know, put your own um, spin on, on the 40K universe? Uh, no. No, it wasn't. Um, my first Golden Demon entry, which I think was 99 in Sydney, uh, I actually did a little squad, like a little command squad of Praetorians, like the old British oh, wow, yeah. Death Helmet dude. Uh -huh. um, and I did like, modelled up a guy that looked like Michael Caine from the Zulu movie and everything. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I think, I'm trying to remember if I won anything. I don't think I did. My, yeah, so, so, I'm not sure if I did, but yeah, it, it was that was my first Golden Demon entry, and that and I actually built a whole army around that. So I, from pretty early on, I was I was into the guard. I just loved the humanity of them. <laughs> yeah, your 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 line of Imperial Guard and I guess related pieces are really cool. And I I thought, I thought it was you're one of the first people to really start doing a lot of um, female conversion kits, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a thing. Yes, my first. Um, 
really serious female kit. I think it was 2013, and it's um, I had I did male and female Arcadians, which is kind of a pun, I guess. I won't go further yeah. with that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, there was the thing like. I guess coming through the hobby in the 80s and so on, you're always pretty, you know, conscious of being very often the only female in the room. Sure. And I really wanted to have some female troops that were kitted out the same as the male troops, as you would see in a modern army. Right. Uh, or, you know, a real world army. Um, you know, they're not, not going to go into battle in a chainmail and bikini, and you know some may choose to do that, and that's that's absolutely fine. But I wanted sure. <laughs> I wanted them dressed and equipped, the same as the blokes, and I think that was in the fluff too, because it, not that they didn't do any female models, but I think going right back, the guard were just like, if you can pick up a gun, you're in. You know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, we don't you, care. you can go get killed by orcs somewhere. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> they don't care. So I really wanted to represent that, and. Honestly, that has been um, such a fun thing to do. And I've had, so, I mean, over the years, I've had so much feedback from people who just are really grateful to, to have those options. You know, people say to me, oh, great, finally, female figures. I'm not embarrassed to get my daughters. You know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of a thing. And look, there's a lot more out there these days. There certainly are. And a lot of people are doing some really fantastic uh, female models and all kinds of things, but at the time there was not that much to choose from. And you, you started with Imperial Guard for uh, female troopers, is that right? Was it was it, um, Cadians? Yeah. Or whatever, you, whatever the yeah Cadian yeah yeah the Arcadians is. yeah yeah Arcadians. Yeah. Sorry, I'll take, take yeah. it back. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, I, I I'm looking through your stuff. You know, you, you've got it for the um, what are the uh, the dress uniform uh, yeah. Legion. Or uh, army, I forget what they're called, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. That, you know, whatever whatever your flavor is, you're going to find some heads and different poses and stuff. And the modularity you do is really impressive. I was curious, you know, what, what goes into designing a line like that? Uh well, <laughs> yeah, that keeping the modularity is is quite challenging. You know, like this head has to fit these arms, and 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 everything has to be interchangeable, and that's. That is tricky, especially, you know, probably 95% of the range is still analog. You know, I sculpted it by hand oh, with wow. green stuff, you know. It's only recently that we've started, over the last couple of years, really, that we've started having digital models in there. Wow. Um, which is fantastic, because believe me, my eyesight's not getting any better. And <laughs> I love sculpting on a screen. Um, huge learning curve, but uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh gosh, what was the question? Sorry. Oh, just you know, what's what's sort of your starting point? And what are the challenges of making sure uh, that, this, that the line like this is modular and, and is going to yes. look good on the table? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Look, the modularity is a lot easier with the digital modeling, of course. So, as much as you know, I've always try to make everything fit together with the analog stuff. I mean, occasionally you put them together, you might need to break out a little bit of green stuff or you know, file something down a little bit, but on the whole, it's it's pretty good. And that is a challenge. But people just use the parts for, for all kinds of stuff that I never even thought of. You know? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, we, we just get, um, uh, you know, we make, we make some legs that 
you know, they're made to ride a horse, but I think I've seen them riding everything, lizards and birds and <laughs> slugs and who knows. <laughs> so, Very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's what inspires me is just be, giving people the tools to be really original and really creative. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you sort of got that in, in spades. I'm, you know, I think one of the really cool things is some of the um, the Australian touches under things like the slouch hats. Uh, yeah, yeah. well, our, our newest... Um, Squad is uh, some female. Uh, we call them Van Diemen's World Devils, and we've got the guys. Had the guys for a few years, and now we've just. I've just put out a female version of those, and yeah, they're really fun. They were very highly requested, and I sort of felt well, being uh, Australian, I really need to do these. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, they they're they're one of my favourites. They're they're really really fun. Yeah, I just got to make some shorts for the guys now because you know. Oh sure. You know, they, that, that's I think true true devotion is going into battle with sand in your shorts, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fun. You know, it, it's 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 part of that that Imperial Guard look. You know, all these these regiments from the world that I've never seen an Australian take on it before. I think it's it's got just so much character. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was I going to ask? The um, one of my favorite things, actually, I think that you guys do, and I've been, I'm always sort of putting off starting the project, but it's it's your uh, Beast Guard. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that's I, I, such a great callback to the old old days of, of 40k. Yes, yes. That's a real old trader, a rogue trader throwback kind of. Uh, yeah, look, I just love the abhumans. I love the beast guard, the ogrens, the ratlings, the dwarves, all of that. I mean, we've got the ogrens and we've got the beast guard at the moment. And the beast guard, they were one of the first... Actually, I took a very early version of those to Adepticon before the Arcadians, and it was a metal six-man modular squad. Uh, they were called Torgo's Trench Raiders. And if anyone's still got that, that's a very, the old metal ones, that's a, that's a rare kit. But uh, they were, yeah, look, they were, they were really something that I just loved and inspired me. Uh, people keep asking me for female versions of them. I haven't quite worked out how to do that yeah. yet. <laughs> but it is on the, it's on the list. And look, ultimately, I want to have male and female versions of everything you know sure. it's, just, it's a matter of working through it um only so many hours in the day but yeah that, that that's that one's a little bit challenging yeah i, I can see that yeah. um but you know i i, I guess where you're stuff i'm always taken by all of, all so many of the things that clearly inspired you about 40k or things that inspired me about 40k too just the the, the, the grimy oh, yeah. humanity of, of, of the imperial guard in particular um, yeah, and, yeah. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. And, and weirdly, I feel like that it, that comes through the most in your abhumans to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, Bobby Jackson sculpted the uh, ogres for me, and they're just they're 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 another throwback to sort of a retro feel to them. And again, that was something that I'd always wanted to do, and um, yeah, I was really glad to get those done. We just got to do the armored version now. Oh, where you've got the, is it the, the Ogre Mud Crunchers? Is that the, uh, yes. the three-man yeah. squad? Yeah, that's the one. they've got yeah. so much character. I love them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a, um, a Golden Demon entry I did where I did um, a version of Nork Dead Dog, the Ogre, the, the Ogre Bodyguard from 40K. And I did like yeah. him holding on to a dead officer and, you know, it's very dramatic. And 
yeah. <laughs> I guess um, so. I did a, a version of that character for the shop, and uh, as along with his three mud cruncher buddies. Very cool. So I, I noticed when you, um, you do a lot of your manufacturing in the USA these days, don't you? Yes. Yeah, manufacturing has been an ongoing challenge. But I think yeah. we've finally got there now. Uh, it's always been quite difficult. Um, yeah, our, USA, our US manufacturers, Trenchworks in Utah and Salt Lake City, um, they're amazing. They're fantastic. Love working with those guys. Uh, look forward to seeing them again when I eventually leave the country. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, look, at, I started off in metal. Uh, there was one, as far as I know, um, people might know of other people, other things, that, but I mean, I've been searching for people who can make miniatures for me for well over 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, initially landed on Eureka Miniatures in Melbourne, and he was doing, he still does, I believe, uh, mostly metal historicals. And he was great. As far as I know, he was the only miniature producer in Australia at the time. Uh, so I got a lot of metal stuff done with him. Um, metal, of course, is pretty expensive, and even more so now. The price has gone up, and hardly anyone's doing metal for that reason. Yeah. I was super keen to get into resin, uh, but it was a very, very difficult process. I would have loved to set up a resin shop here in Australia, but I just could not. I didn't have the time to do it myself. I couldn't run the company and cast all the miniatures. Sure. <laughs> so I was desperate, and I didn't have the expertise. And really, no one else in Australia seemed to either. I searched high and low, and I could not find someone who was prepared to do it. And it's it's a tough job. I mean, it's okay to do a few, you know, little, you know, do a handful of figures. But when you've got to do the same figures, you know, dozens or even hundreds, it's it's not fun. It's really <laughs> challenging. You know, when, when I when I worked yeah. at Privateer Press, they they had just been starting to get into resin at that time, um, and I was oh, there when yeah. they did. And you know. They, you know, they had so many essentially, you know, trade secrets on how they were producing things because you know nobody else was doing the resin like that at that time. And you know, if they were, they weren't talking mm. about it. Um, so just, actually, just setting up a resin shop is, is it's hugely challenging. I actually visited Privateer Press. It was my first trip to the States in two thousand and four. And oh wow! I hooked up with Mike McVeigh and his partner because um, we kind of oh, knew yeah. each other remotely as painters. And uh, yeah, I went and visited the the shop next to the river there, and it was it was it was, it was brilliant. It was the first time I'd been inside a real miniature company. So it was yeah. very exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that was a little before my time. They they got into I I started there in two thousand eight. Yeah, uh, they didn't get into resin miniatures until maybe two thousand eleven, somewhere around there, maybe two thousand twelve. I don't remember exactly, but. Um, hmm. I, you know, I, I remember the guys in the shop really, it, it was it was a big transition and, you know, a, a, just a lot of work and a lot of really ingenious ideas were being come up with to, to make it work. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was a, a huge challenge for you. Yeah, and even now, um, I mean, the, the technology's changing so quickly. You know, I could see that, you know, maybe eventually we, we move away from resin and we just do prints. You know, it depends how the pricing works out and all that kind of a thing, but it's... yeah. Yeah, it's just such a changing world, but it's also exciting because, you know, working with with the with my Utah people is, you know, we're always brainstorming. You know, how can we make this? How can we make it better? It's, and you feel like you're kind of moving into new ground all the time, which is really mm -hmm. really a fun part of it. 
Yeah, so do you still do much manufacturing in Australia? Uh, no, no, we don't do any. We haven't done any oh, metal yeah. for quite a long time, and I was never able to get someone in Australia to do resin. Sure. So, so it's all out so, of Utah now? Yes, yes. Everything is from the one one manufacturer now, um, and that's, yeah, it's, it's really nice. They're very professional, and it's, it's great. I can sort no. of relax a little bit, but I'm not going to suddenly have, you know, a resin caster disappear or, you know, not deliver. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more relaxed now, but it has always been very challenging to get the stuff made. I can imagine. So, so what, yeah. what, what, does, what does Victoria Miniatures look like as a company these days? Um, it's pretty small. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it's basically me in a room by myself in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, there's... Uh, yeah, look, I work with people all over the world in terms of uh, commission work for sculpting. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen there's been some beautiful work done recently by Patrick Keith. He's done a lot of our free miniatures of the month. He's done, so, yeah, he does some lovely work. Um, yeah, little little tip here is he's just done another Adepticon figure for me and. That is gorgeous. That will be released. That'll be previewed soon. Um, uh, will that be available at Adepticon next month? Yes, it will. Super yeah, cool. I'm going to be there myself, so I can't wait to see it. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be limited edition, be in the swag bag. Yeah, we, we've done the Adepticon figure for the last, I think, eight eight years now. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that'll be really cool. Um, of course, i got to shout out to Jake Snyder. Who's in Tasmania? He isn't. He is from America. He lives in Tasmania. He's married to an Australian, oh, wow. and he does uh, from very early on. He was really the first sculptor I contracted. Uh, he does all the hard, all the hardware, um, tanks, guns, cannons, wheels, all of that stuff. He's really good at it. I'm really bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm very grateful when you know. In my inbox, Jake sends me like, "Well, you wanted you wanted a auto gun. Well, here's ten different versions of an auto gun." And I'm like, "Brilliant! I love this." <laughs> you know, so for me, you know, a gun's a gun. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so you like to sculpt the faces, then? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I guess my specialty is uh, what we'd call squishies. You know, uh, yeah, anatomy, cloth, yeah, faces. Yeah. Uh, you know, organic things, really. I find sure. the hardline sculpting, you know, don't ask me to sculpt a space marine, basically. Right. <laughs> it's not, not going to be great. <laughs> so, so, when, you're, when you're coming up with new sculpts, um, how do you decide what you're going to sculpt or what you're going you're gonna to farm out? Is it just based on, on that personal preference? Um, it depends a bit on who's available to yeah. send stuff to. Because it's, yeah, I, look, I do find it challenging to find people to, to do stuff. Um, I end up doing, I mean, yeah, look, there's people who come and go kind of in that freelance sure. sculpting world. So depends who's available. I'll tend to like to, I, I tend to always want to do the, the heads and faces myself. And I'm talking modular here. Like if Patrick Keith sculpts a figure, he sculpts the whole figure. But right. when we're doing, I'm doing a set of heads or something, I, I, I tend to like to do that myself. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I do as much as I can, but I'm still a bit slow with the digital sculpting. I have to confess, but yeah, yeah, it's quicker than analog, though. So yeah, <laughs> is that. 
I, I believe that for sure. Um, yeah. So when, when you're when you're looking for new sculptors, um, there's there's so many talented sculptors out there. Is is there anything you look for in particular as far as a skill set? Um. Yeah. Look, I, I really need people who aren't bored doing modular pieces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a lot of people don't want to do that. Yeah. Um. No, that's fair enough. That's totally up to them um also it's a real specific look um yeah my figures are very very much your i guess more old school heroic um proportions you know i guess a little cartoony compared to some of the stuff people do these days mm -hmm. and i mean that's i i like that um exaggerated style myself um it's what i'm used to and uh, I mean, some some sculptors, you know, totally nail it. Bobby Jackson, Patrick Keith, Jason Weeby. You know, there's 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 lots out there that do it. But some people, you know, look, you go, well, that looks fantastic on the screen, but I print it and I can't see the details. Yeah, sure. It's too fine. Yeah. So there's that. That is a very specific uh, aesthetic that um, not everyone gets. Yeah, and it, it's kind of it, it's it's a very specific period in time now too, is it kind of that, that late '80s to maybe mid '90s, in, in, as far as the Games Workshop look went. Yes, yeah, I think so. I and mean, a lot of their figures still kind of fit into that that sure. look for sure. You know, like the the lovely um, Death Courts of Creek they just put out in plastic. Yeah, you know? they really kind of fit into that aesthetic, and so do the orcs, and you know, so it's still a thing for sure. But there's other companies who've gone. To, I guess a slightly more reserved, I guess kind of um, yeah, more realistic mm -hmm. style. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. I mean, that's that's what they do. It's just not yeah, sure. really what I do. Yeah. So we talked about sculpting. Who, who paints your miniatures? Um, I paint some of them. Some of them. Um, I prefer not to, uh, just because of the time it takes. Yeah. I mean, I'm. Painting was, of course, my first love, but um, at the moment, I've got a, a freelancer in Australia, and uh, James Wapple has done most of what you'll see on the website, uh, a sculpted min uh, painted miniatures, he, and he's, he's a painting machine. <laughs> he's yeah. amazing, yeah, he's, and he's a lovely bloke too. So, so yes, very grateful to James. He's, he's done some fantastic work for us. No, they look great. Is so as far as your sculpt, the, the overall aesthetic I guess you're going for. Do you have, do you have a design bible? If somebody was signs up to sculpt your miniatures or paint your miniatures, do you send them a, a, any notes or is there like just like some pictures? How do you how do you get that across that what you're trying to portray? Um, I guess I really I would show them or preferably send them uh, miniatures from the range, existing figures, and say, well, it needs to match this style. But not always that simple. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's it's a subjective thing, so yeah, we, we try, and and most of the time it's fine, but not not always. But hey, look, if there's anyone out there who can sculpt heroic scale cool miniatures, yeah, drop me a line. Right on. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so is there anything upcoming new that you're working? Actually, actually, before I even get to that, I'm curious: is what what do you do? What do you paint in your spare time? Do you still do you still paint for fun? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I, I just, um, I look, it, it, I always did. I mean, it was my hobby, 
before it became my, I mean, I spent most of my life working in the theatre um, as a stage manager and then designer. That was my primary occupation. The miniatures were a hobby. And then eventually, sort of within the last 10 years, the miniatures just have overtaken oh, as wow. the primary occupation. And when COVID hit, I was very grateful for that because the poor theatre industry took a terrible hit here in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so uh, I, look, it was always my thing I did for fun. These days I do it all day, so I don't tend to do it for fun very much. Although occasionally when I do paint a figure, like sometimes I'll do the miniature of the month or something. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. But you're kind of thinking, oh, I should be sculpting something. I should be emailing oh, someone sure. or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard when you do this stuff for a living, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes you don't want to look at another miniature. Yeah, although I seem to not get too tired of looking at miniatures. I love just, you know, I'm, I'm not the greatest social media manager. I try, but uh, again, hours in the day. But I love yeah. scrolling through, you know, Instagram or something and just, just seeing uh, what people are doing out there. It's just so much fun. You get ideas, you see what they're into. It's, yeah, it, it's, so I do, I always find it inspiring. And I try to work on, when you ask me what I choose to sculpt myself, usually it's what I'm inspired about, if possible. So, so what, what does inspire you? Like when you talked about your, your Zulu stuff, like with Rourke's Drift and all of that, do you, do you look at movies, Is it books? Like what, what, what gets you excited to start a new miniatures project? Mm, that's a good question. Um, yeah, look, movies and things can be, can be it. Um, often it's just a, an idea trying to make an idea better. Like I, I'm revisiting some of my old analog sculpts and kind of updating them a little bit, some of them just, uh, and I'm inspired about that because they're figures that I, I loved anyway. Right. Um, yeah, you know, like for example, the, the Australian troops you mentioned um, with the slouch hats, well, I've just done a new version, new edition, a new sculpt of slouch hats heads for the men um, digitally and they'll probably be sold as prints um, because the original hats were a real pain to cast really, <laughs> really hard to cast they get stuck um, in the molds yeah and they just come out they're thin they get holes in them yeah oh yeah 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 they're, they're not not a good thing so that was a priority get them redone but they're, they were, uh, you know, they always inspired me. So revisiting them and going, you know, I really love these. Let's do them again. Let's make them better. You know, years later is, is, you know, for some reason, I find that inspiring. That's, that's just fun. That's really cool. So yeah. I've got kind of an extra question I'm trying to sort of ask more people because I think the, interesting can be, the answer can be interesting. So what is it about miniatures wargaming models that you love and, and makes you want to make these things? You know, why didn't you get into into model trains or scale models? You know, there's there's so many tiny things you can build, but people seem to yeah. really love gaming miniatures, even if they don't necessarily game that much with it. I'm curious what that what that that love affair is like for you. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I haven't really thought about it like that. I think it's mm, with the miniatures. I think it's partly that they have context. They're part of a world, even if it's just a world of your own making. 
Sure. They all kind of, yeah, they, they interact with each other. Um, yeah, they're, yeah this, is, this is a hard question. You got me with this one. Um, <laughs> For me, why you, you touched on a little bit. No, no, uh, I'm just saying why miniatures and not, not something else. I guess there's something else for me was theater. And theater is, I mean, I don't think it's too many professions that are more collaborative. You know, it yeah. is everyone, you know, 50 people, whatever, working on one thing to make one thing uh, and to bring all these elements together. And I love A that. The thing that doesn't last either, right? That, that once you do your stage oh, no. production, it's over. Oh yeah, no, all my best work's at the dump, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah anyway but but it's so collaborative and but with the miniatures i guess you know i'd go home and you know i'd be painting a set all day i come home and i paint a miniature but it was i think it part of what really appealed to me was kind of the microcosm of it you know everything on that desk i could control you know, i wasn't collaborating with anyone i mean i do collaborate with people in the miniature work now, but at course, that time, yeah. when it was when it was a, just a hobby, I really just enjoyed that. I guess I guess a lot for a lot of people, that's what's appealing about it is that you know you've got this little world in front of you, and and it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah, and it's kind of a chance to, to live in that world for a little while while you're, you're you're painting or sculpting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And yeah, when you're painting, um, I think your mind is you know. You, it kind of, it's yeah. I always found it mentally very relaxing, and I guess a lot of people do. I mean, it can be frustrating, but mostly sure. you're in the you're in the moment, thinking about what you're doing or what you're going to do next. And it's it's just uh, yeah. I guess that's that's something I just really love about it. Cool. So yeah. back to my other question was going to be: so what what are you guys working on now? What what's what's coming out in the future from Victoria Miniatures? Hmm. Let me think. Yes, we've got some more miniatures of the month, free miniatures of the month coming up. We we have an offer. Been going for years now. You spend fifty dollars, or every fifty dollars you spend, you get to choose a free figure to go go in your order. And they're really popular. So definitely been working on some more of those. Got some new. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have a new um, regiment. Well, not really regiment. We're going to have female rangers coming out with the cloaks. Oh, cool. Yes, so they're on the workbench. I'm not sure when they will appear, but they're definitely in the pipeline. And there's a few other sculptors working on some other things for me. So, yeah, watch this space. Right. <laughs> it will be, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really, I mean, there's so much I want to do. Uh, my whiteboard, you know, has a list on it a mile long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sure. it's kind of, yeah, how, how can we push this through and get it done and, yeah. That, yeah, it's always something new to be excited about. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Your miniatures of the month, I, I, I always love seeing them. This month, it's, um, she's kind of a, a, a female uh, uh, preacher? Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, Patrick Keith sculpt. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> As we're going, um, well, there's all these female miniatures in the range, but we haven't done a plus-size model. So yeah. <laughs> when, hey, let's do that. That'll be really fun. So, yeah, no, she, she, she was... Yeah, she's great. She's she's quite terrifying too, actually. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of wanted. I was, I guess, yeah. I used to work in opera, so I sort of wanted a bit of a Broomhilda kind of an operatic feeling. 
so I'm glad that she's terrifying. That's that's what we want. So yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think I think when I get around to doing a Cotter game for uh, Necromunda, she may end up uh, pulling duty in that. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, she, she's she's yeah. quite frightening. But yeah, all those characters you do are always really do, do, do those characters that show up as your, your miniatures of the month um, promotions and stuff, and then they go into that sort of backlog of interesting figures. Do you come up with them specifically for that, or you're just like, I have an interesting idea for a sculpt, and this is where it should go? Um, bit of both, you know. Yeah. If it's a kind of something that can be a, usually it's a character, so it, it's usually something. Some of them are, are regiment specific, but really you can do anything with them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like it's. I kind of think of them as figures that are complementary to your regiments that you could just throw in there or use in, you know, whatever game like Necromunda or you know, role playing yeah. anything. <laughs> just paint it for fun. Yeah, they toss them into a command squad and they'll they're good to go, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, all right, well, Dre, I don't want to take too much more of your time. Thank you so much for speaking with me. It's really been a pleasure. Really interesting to hear how your operation works. Oh, awesome! Thanks a lot. Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.